1: Hide your kids. kids, lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right, right where, it where it hurts. It complete, complete with breaking news, rash news, opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls.
0: It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite guilty pleasure, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always, Hello. the Chrissy to my Janet, Chad Sowash. And today, cheese, we're going back in time and bringing it to the present day with Richard Cho, <laughs> Chief Recruiting Officer at GEM, also known for his sin at Cisco, Facebook, Dropbox, and Robinhood, and a short six months at eBay. Richard, welcome <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, Joel. Thanks,
2: Chad. Thanks for having me.
1: Dude, so we need we need a little bit more about Richard. We need a little deep dive into the yoga vegans. He's a complex person. Meditation, <laughs> 108 degree heat. Tell us a little bit about you. What what are you
2: dealing with today? Oh man, I'm a, I'm a you know square peg in a round hole. I've always been that way. Growing up, told I was supposed to be an engineer. Didn't want to be an engineer. Uh, And then I fell into recruiting and I had an engineering brain and I felt like, wow, I I really suck at recruiting. So how do I marry these two together? So, you know, really my bio is, uh, you know, I'm a recruiting leader trying to use engineering data and insights to be better at my job. And we'll we'll see how that works.
1: I have to tell a quick story because Richard uh, Cho, Cho blocked out. The first time that we met, he is so scared. (laughs) Me too. I, uh, yeah, (laughs) Joel, Joel's met me just way too many times. That's the problem. That's that's the problem. I'm still blocking it out. I actually came off stage after doing a presentation around the most exciting thing in the world, OFCCP compliance. (laughs) Uh, And Joe, you were at Facebook at the time you came running up. Maybe you weren't running, but you were, you, you had a pep in your step and you said, I just learned Facebook was OFCCP. And I don't even know what that means. Can you help? And the look in your eyes, it was was the the difference between a scared little kid and a longingness of, can you help me? That's how I remember
2: our first time meeting. Joe. I, i'm glad that's i right. made a lasting impression uh yeah that's uh you know and it, it was rooted in fear which is typical um that's how
0: most people meet chad fear despair mm-hmm. you know, the end
2: yeah exactly well you know really what i was trying to figure out is how do we get out of this right having having done <laughs> some ofccp at cisco many years
0: and you went to chad
2: for
1: help for that Jeez.
0: oh yeah i'm like okay. chad
2: looks like a guy who can get me out of this pretty easily right so, yeah, yeah, yeah well, um,
1: well we when you take millions of dollars from the U.S. military, you ain't getting out of that, big boy. <laughs> That's, right. That's right. Finally,
0: That's- the seed to Facebook's demise has been revealed. <laughs> it was Chad Sowash back in the aughts. Nice,
1: nice. Not so much.
0: Well, Richard, my my immediate question is, uh, I mentioned the brands at the beginning, Cisco, Facebook, Dropbox, Robinhood. Oh, yeah. Why why Jim? And not that that's anything against Jim, but it wouldn't necessarily, like, if I was playing, which which one of these does not look like the other? (laughs) Jim would kind of stand out to that. And I do agree that we do need more... People like you in our industry, just like I think oh, yeah. we need more vendors in the recruit, you know, corporate recruiting. But, but why, Jim? Why now? What was it about this opportunity that really uh, got you interested?
2: Yeah, I, if you were to say five years ago I was going to join a recruiting tech company, I I would have called you a liar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, the path to Jim started with my relationship with Steve, one of the co-founders, and uh, and then I had an opportunity to work with Nick, but I don't remember. Him at Facebook because he was a rising star, and uh, I was in a different uh, role at the time. But what I remember about Steve is he was just so uh, adamant about getting recruiting right. Like, why is this hard? What is it? What's what's uh, so difficult about recruiting? Isn't it just about posting jobs? And he really was engaged in learning as a as a engineering manager. So fast forward a few years later, when he came to me at, when I was at the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative and said. He was building this product. Would I be open to be a beta uh, user and provide some input into the direction of the product? I said, yeah, absolutely. I remember how engaged you were. Uh, and it turned out to be a product that my recruiters and sourcers, but specifically sourcers, loved. And I really didn't think much of it until I got to Robinhood. And uh, you know, the path to growth was you need to double hiring every year, year over year, indefinitely. And I realized how much we're relying on Jam. The thing that kept uh, me thinking about Jam was like, my sorcerers were just so fanatically uh, uh, impressed with the product. And then, you know, fast forward a few more years later, when they reached out to me, I said, I have to take this call. This is a recruiting tech organization that has the people, the technology, it's a beautiful product that people uh, love and it's delightful and one conversation with Steve about the future of recruiting that that really you know was it for me uh, I, I needed to be a part of this
1: so what is the chief recruiting officer are you actually just focused on recruiting Great talent into Gem, or is it beyond that? Is it product? Are you part of you know the the product and marketing and
2: messaging and, and understanding of what recruiters really need in a product? Yeah, I, I want to answer that question in in, in two different. Ways, because like there's one where I b- truly believe chief recruiting officer should be a trend in every industry. So I'll answer it in that way, but also I'll talk about you know my unique role here at Jam because my background and the implications of how it can help uh, with the product. But just generally speaking, chief recruiting officer, all that means is uh, the, the executive staff uh, recognizes that we need someone in the room that can actually give us real talk about strategy recruiting, right? Most of the time recruiting is a, an afterthought or is a results driven. Have you made these hires? Have you, and, and why have you not? What's the problem? And it, and it took very persistent recruiting leaders to say, let me show you the data. There's actually some trends. Uh, there's a cause and effect to compensation, equity, our brand, positive PR, negative PR. And here are the things that you need to do to be more strategic. And so what I truly believe is one of the hardest things for companies to deal with right now is how do you create a strategic recruiting organization that actually flows with market trends, able to be be able to be super effective and bring in the right people and have real talk with uh, C-level members as a a peer, as an advisor, to be able to really shape the direction of, of talent. And so I actually think that's a that's an important trend uh, that most companies should, should heed.
1: I think the CRO is definitely somebody you should model off of. And, and that being the, the chief revenue officer, as you start talking about real talk, The only thing that the C-suite really responds to is the bottom line talk. And when you start talking about market trends, you need to talk about revenues and impacting the bottom line as talent. Because one of the things that we don't do in this industry enough, we hardly do it at all, Joe, is we don't talk about the talent that we bring. We are the heart and soul of every organization. If we don't have talent in an organization, we can't produce product, we can't create new code. We can't sell. We can't uh, monitor. We can't use customer service to retain. Without us, the bottom line doesn't exist. So why is it this real talk isn't bottom line talk? And I do love, again, the, the reference to CRO. We need to start thinking like chief revenue officers instead of HR. Tell me, tell me what you think about that.
2: Uh, I think that's a great analogy, uh, Chad. Because like I was, I was around when this uh, senior most level uh, go to market position was SVP of Sales, uh, and that was also just results driven. It's like, hey, did you make sales or not? And when the advent of the Chief Revenue Officer uh, really became popularized, they talked about how marketing affects uh, sales, how lead generation affects sales, how. Mm-hmm pricing affects sales and they were invited to the table to talk about in order to increase revenue we need to you know modify our pricing and so on and so forth and that is the perfect analogy Chad to to what a chief recruiting officer does because again we think that we're just results oriented only we're not just a service organization we actually have insights as to what we can do to bring in the best talent and every CEO that I've spoken to when I say well you know like hey what are you most proud of they're they're not like oh I'm most proud of the new logo release. They're most <laughs> proud of the people that they hired and the people the impact that they're making and and so this is the reason exact reason why the CRO is uh, is something that every company should be considering.
1: Well, you can tie that talent to actually revenue generation. So that being said, when you have positions that are open, let's say for instance vital positions that are open that do impact the bottom line why aren't we demonstrating to the C-suite that, hey, every day that position is open, we are losing X amount to the bottom line or we're losing X amount of opportunity to the bottom line. It doesn't seem like we're taking, because we focus on cost per hire and all the quote unquote HR metrics that the C-suite think are, they're cute. We're not using that, taking it the extra mile and going to real business analytics and numbers.
2: Yeah, I, it, it requires us to actually have the knowledge and the competency to be able to do that. When I first fell into the recruiting, uh, leaders of recruiting were mostly uh, leaders that cared about almost like you know, mid-level sales, where there's like, did you make the hire or did you not? You know, what's your what's the number, and that's how you are graded by. With this new advent uh, of of strategic recruiting, I grade my recruiting teams based on how strategic uh, of a partner were you to the hiring manager, and that includes, hey, uh, the, the amount of time you have this open is the amount of time we're losing revenue, we're not uh, shipping the product. Uh, we're involved in those dis- th- those discussions, and then we also challenge: Are do you have the right profile? Are you looking in the right uh, areas? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you don't have to have the purple unicorn. How about a per- you know a, a blue unicorn with pur- uh, purple polka dots? And they're going to grow into the role that you need. And you need to be able to speak intelligently about the talent. Uh, so you have to deserve to be there. So to your question, Chad, like, why haven't we been a part of that conversation? There's only a small percentage of leaders and recruiters and sourcers that were, had the competency to be able to have that conversation.
0: The struggle for power is something that uh, tends to be a narrative in corporations. And I saw the social network, Richard, so don't tell me. I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so so I'm curious in regards to, you know, a devil's advocate would say, well, we already have a chief people officer or we're, we already have a CHRO you guys at gym have a, a head of people chief people officer as well as you what's the division of of labor there what's the is there a power uh, division who has who has employment brand who has marketing who ha- like how is that divided because i think a lot of companies will say well we already have that we already have the chief recruiting officer we just call it something different
2: yeah So, you know, if we think about the people organization in general, there's so many moving parts, uh, internal sentiment, attrition, uh, compensation, market changes, and recruiting is one part of that. Most companies in the past looked at recruiting as a service organization that's just filling open roles based on a forecast that finance created and hiring managers are, are advocating for and validating and recruiting was never part of that discussion and partially uh, as I mentioned, the competency wasn't there. But the other is like a chro only has so much, so much time in the day to be able to advocate for the most important things across all of people. So you know, at at Jam, the way Heather and I delineate duties is like I live and breathe talent acquisition. You know, 24/7, 365. and we partner around what's important not only for our, our executive staff but also uh, for the board. You know, what what do we want to share with the board that is important uh, so that they have confidence that we're moving in the right direction? She includes me in conversations ahead of time around uh, shifts in uh, hiring forecasts, and 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 I'm invited into the table of all the all the senior leaders. Around how this impacts our goals, our revenue, and having that visibility and being able to uh, create a strategy before uh, most recruiting teams are even aware uh, is a game changer. And this is another reason why most companies should shift to this model because instead of the head of recruiting finding out in March of the beginning of the year what their headcount target is, uh, having the conversation earlier is a strategic advantage.
0: It sounds like Richard is not a quiet quitter, Chad. It sounds like he's working all the time. Curious about most executive positions are are solid, whether times are good or bad, right? You always need a CTO and these things, right? But when there are layoffs impacting businesses, when there's a hiring freeze, which we've been hearing a lot more often in the news, what role does the CRO have when there's a hiring
2: freeze or we're going through mass layoffs? Or is there a role? Yeah, oh yeah. This is something that I've even written blogs about. Like right now is the time for CROs or even heads of talent to think about how do you set up your recruiting team, your processes, your system to be ready for the the rebound, which is inevitable. And every time in that rebound, hiring is exponentially harder. Again, and I wrote about this in my blog. I've been through three recessions in my in my recruiting career. Yes, I'm that old Joel. You don't have to, you know. Me too. Like, yeah. Join the
1: club. Join the club, Joe.
2: <laughs> so, but every time I look back and said, man, I really would have loved to have been better prepared because we laid off all of our staff. We went down to, you know, two recruiters and all of a sudden those two recruiters, need to take on 10 times the amount of recruiting until they can find recruiters to, to help uh, ease the load and processes are broken and you know the data is not there. And it's just, you're, you're trying to catch up. So what we've been advocating for, and I'm really, I'm really excited to hear that a lot of companies have, have, have been doing this, is uh, retain your recruiting staff, move them into roles that will make them better recruiters long-term, whether it's in uh, HR or other p- places. Uh, also spend the time to do to do all the projects that you said, man, if I had more time, we could recruit better. If I had more time, we'd have a better brand. If I had more time, we'd be better at diversity. Uh, now you have more time. Go work on those things so that when it comes back and it comes back with with the fury that you're better prepared. And that that's the role that CROs players to advocate for that and to clearly articulate why that's a value add for the organization, uh, and that that's been uh, something that Gem Gem is really supported.
1: What I'm hearing Cho is that we need to be thinking more around scalability on the, the talent side. I mean, we we hear uh, scalability for product, right? But we can't. We've got to scale talent. Before we can scale product, so the big question for for me and and many of the individuals out there in TA is how do we actually use
2: automation to better scale today, not tomorrow, but today. You know, obviously, I'm biased. You, you, you know, you should think about tools like like Gem to be able to automate away the mundane things. Uh, I will say this, I, my position is you can't take humans out of a human-centric business like we have. We're the only ones that can really sell the the, the value and the mission of a company. But uh, if I'm spending 10 hours just setting up emails and, you know, uh, making sure my calendar tickler reminds me to reach out to Chad, you know, on, in October, that's wasted time. I'd much rather have my recruiters and sourcers really have the meaningful conversations right now so that we can set up a relationship for when we are ready uh, to hire, to execute. Right. So, yeah, I mean, those are things that are important, but here, here's what is always 100% of the time, always behind and uh, messy data integrity is never there. Right. Like if you look at every ATS, no one has cleanly used their ATS. So when you're trying to do reporting or create dashboards, uh, you spend you know a chunk of time just trying to clean up the data. Well, why not clean up the data now? You have uh, poor processes, interview processes that you've kind of let go because really it was just about how fast you can hire. Let's fix those processes, uh, and then finally, recruiters, uh, recruiters and sourcers, they would love nothing more than to uh, build out more skills. Like you know, I care a lot about recruiters and sourcers, not just their. Uh, craft of sourcing or uh, recruiting but I also want them to be bus- have high business acumen have you know a deep knowledge around the technology that they're uh, that they're recruiting for and that requires some training and mentorship and why not why not do that now uh, so that when they come back uh, they're better prepared and uh, and that that's what scale means to me- mm-hmm. that's a hard conversation because as we've talked about a lot of HR and
1: recruiting leaders aren't competent In the first place. So it's really hard for them to be able to expect everybody around them to be growing when they don't even know what growth looks like. So, getting back into automation in in white glove, one of the things that we talk about a lot on the show is really when tech first came and the interwebs first came to recruiting, all corporate America did was take a application form and put it into digital form. They did nothing really to change the process in itself. Now, the thing was more people could obviously have access to that application because they didn't have to walk through a front door. So you had more applications and then we didn't scale. So we have that tech to be able to scale now, which we talked about. And There's no doubt recruiting and and human resources needs to stay human, but what does that look like from a CRO standpoint, from a technology standpoint? Because what we do is we sit there and we put a piece of technology in and we walk away when we know the market is fluid. But yet we are not fluid. How do we change that as in being a CRO?
2: Yeah, I, I love this question. You, you, you hit a nerve. So let me, uh, hold me hold me accountable to make sure I don't go for an hour. Out That's good at hitting nerves. Yeah, I'm going to take a little different route because uh, I believe uh, it's not just about the CRO. It's actually a trend that I've seen in the market. So, you know, dinosaurs were ro- roaming the earth in 1998 when I first uh, fell into recruiting. And I remember... <laughs> what did he just call you, Joel? <laughs> That's a T-Rex, Chad. Joel and I were fighting for the one <laughs> brontosaur meat that we were trying to have for lunch. What I remember back then is it took a better part of two weeks to generate 10 great candidates for any slate. So I spent... My entire focus was to develop a relationship with those candidates I got to know their aspirations. I got to know, uh, you know, their their background. Their their and many of them uh, proactively shared their family stories and what they want, why they, they care so much about the careers that they're in. And that's really what I see is really the the human side of the the work that we do. So when I placed them, I knew imminently that they were not only qualified, but their careers were going to thrive as a result. Now, let's fast forward in this world of digitizing the interview process and the, and the selection process. I can push a button and, five, and find 500 qualified resumes. Now, it's just a law of averages. I reach out to 500, maybe 50 of them might respond to me. Uh, and then maybe uh, of the 50, 10 of them might be interested in hearing about a job. Right now, it's about transactions. So I'm like, great, you know, you're know, you interested, let me just tell you, here's a, uh, a stock script of why you should join us, and then let me put you in the interview process. And we fast forward, law of averages, uh, and then lo and behold, we make an offer. And that person says, well, I don't know how to differentiate your offer from the 15 other offers I have in hand. We're in a historic labor shortage crisis that we've never seen in, in the US uh, in decades and decades. So, so now they're saying, well, the only way to differentiate is you need to pay me more. And so uh, yeah, CHROs and heads of talents are like, I don't understand our offer acceptance rates drops and we have to pay way more for every every talent. This is just a crazy labor market and it has 100% to do with the fact that we took the human out of the human-centric uh, role. I remember talking people out of 40% of their uh, guaranteed Annual salaries to join a small little startup called Facebook, uh, and they did that gladly. Fast forward many years later, They're boy are they glad uh, <laughs> that they made that decision? Uh, and and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't spend the time developing that relationship. So to your to your question, Chad. You should automate away all the mundane things, all the tactical things. Give your recruiters and sourcers time to build that relationship because that's what's gonna differentiate you, especially in a world where candidates or employees are quitting without another job, uh, vis-a-vis great recession uh, or great resignation, whatever the you know term is. People are uh, spending more time now that there's layoffs making sure that your company's solvent, that they have you a know, mission and values that they're aligned to. And they want, you know, flexibility, in the, but understand the culture. If I work in, you know, uh, Bentonville, Arkansas, for a uh, San Francisco-based company, I want to know that they they care about time zone and the culture that I care about and the values, right? And that that is something that a lot of CROs or heads of talent needs to think about and advocate for at the at the C-suite. And that's the only way companies are going to win in this war for talent.
0: Did you recruit Tremoth Palihapitiya? <laughs> I did not. Tremoth oh, you was- did not. Okay. Well, I, had to, I had to ask. Um,
2: <laughs> settle,
0: settle a debate that we have on the show uh, in, in the last few years. There's In one corner, you have the back to office all the time crowd. In another corner, you have the hybrid folks. And then in the other corner, you have the work from home forever. What's your take on that debate and where do you fit?
2: <laughs> uh, I'm going to give an unsatisfactory answer. It's, it depends on the role. <laughs> so and this is, this is, uh, this is what creates a lot of consternation right now. Um, a lot of people think that they know absolutely what, uh, candidates and employees are going to act like, before we're all back in the office, no company has been one thousand percent back in the office, unless they were already, uh, you know, even within the pan- during the pandemic. And so we're all making these like assumptions, like, oh no, we're we're going to lose candidates if we're one hundred percent back in office, uh, or we're I'm sorry, employees if we're one hundred percent back in office. And people are making assumptions like we'll we'll lose uh, more than half of our candidate pool if we're if we're back in the office. And the answer is we don't know. But what we do know is people are kicking ass from 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 home for specific roles, um, and and it, you know, recruiting is is one of them. But you know, can you do a highly collaborative role where you know uh, it might work out? Better that you can shoulder tap a product manager and a designer. If you're an engineer, like should you be working side by side for some parts of the day? Absolutely.
0: Let me ask this a different way, Richard, because you're dancing around this, and I I, I want to get to the point here. You're you're a you're a recruiter. Which company would you rather recruit for? A back to office company, a hybrid, or a work from home forever company? Which one gives you the best advantage to recruiting?
2: I think it has to be
0: hybrid.
1: See, middle of the road. You just got to get it again.
0: <laughs> the, what I sort of circle around here is when you were at Robinhood, you scaled the shit out of that company. I think you mentioned it was 400 something to 4,000 something. That's the technical term, by the way. For companies that are looking to do that, give us like two or three tips in doing that. I would think that that work from home would help you scale significantly, but maybe you feel
2: differently for for high scale organizations what sort of tips would you give for for back to the you know the future of work conversation what i what i probably Meant to say was you need to make sure you trust your employees like professionals. Give them the choice, right? Autonomy. Yeah, they'll report with their feet. Like they'll they'll vote with their feet. They'll either leave because you either mandated it, or they'll they'll stay because they they agree with it. But back to the scale question, you know, a lot of that had to do with the fact that Robinhood had to. Think about what is their overall, you know, value proposition for the employee, regardless of if you're from home or in in office. Are you going to be better? Uh, Are you going to be paid fairly? Are you going to be part of a culture that you really, really care about? Um, And I think we did that really well. The vast majority of our of our growth actually happened during the pandemic years. So I can't say it was because we allowed flexibility because everyone worked from home. <laughs> I can't say it's because we we asked people to come in the office and there's you know really great snacks in the in, in the office <laughs> because no one was there. Uh, This is the reason why I'm saying no one has this data. And if they said that they know definitively you should be in the office, they're they're lying to you. No no one knows definitively um, because we don't have the data yet.
1: Yes, I love it. That's Richard Cho, everybody, Chief Recruiting Officer over at GEM. Cho, if somebody wants to connect with you uh, or maybe, I don't know, maybe come work for you at, at GEM, where would you send them?
2: I would actually have them act, email me directly. Cho at gem, C-H-O at G-E-M dot connect, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm not great with my Twitter, but my Twitter is at Cho Richard. Uh, and uh, those are the probably the best ways to get a hold of me.
0: Are you sure you don't want to throw out that OnlyFans account? Richard? <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: That's, that's for a different podcast, by the oh, way. Oh, my
0: bad. That's, that's not our show. Chad, <laughs> that's another one in the books, baby. We out. We out
3: thank you for listening to what's it called a podcast the chat the cheese brilliant they talk about recruiting they talk about technology but most of all they talk about nothing just a lot of shout outs of people you don't even know and yet you're listening it's incredible and not one word about cheese not one cheddar blue